We're entertaining royalty tonight in this room. We're entertaining the King of Kings tonight in this room. Come on, can you just lift your hands one more time? In the year that King Uzziah died, the writer said that I saw the Lord. He was high. He was lifted up. And his train, his train filled the temple. It's another way of saying I saw the Lord and his authority had filled the room. I saw the Lord and his victory had flooded the house. I've come to tell somebody tonight that the Lord knows you're here. The Lord has an appointment with you. And he is just giving you a taste Oh, taste and see. This generation's ready. You came here ready, but God is giving you a taste of what he's about to do through your life. I wish I had a pastor in the house that would get with me right now. I wish I had a youth pastor or a parent in the house that would believe that with me right now. God is about to do exceeding abundantly above somebody say all somebody say all that we can ask and all that we can think if you love the Lord why don't you put your hands together one more time amen 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 I am grateful for what I feel in this house, and I'm grateful for all of you teenagers and young adults who have created this atmosphere that we are now swimming in. We know the Lord has something special that he wants to do, and he wants to speak into every life, and I just want to give him space to do so. How about you tonight? If that's you, just say, I'm going to listen to what the Lord speaks to me tonight. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm going to hear the voice of the Lord before I leave. Turn to somebody, give them a high five. Say, we're going to hear from God tonight. As you're returning to your seats, I bless you in Jesus' name. And didn't our worship team just do a phenomenal job tonight leading us into the throne room? We honor them for their skill, their talent, and their anointing. And it's good to be back in the land of sweet tea and boiled peanuts. I wish I had some help early on tonight. I said, it's good to be where there is sweet tea and boiled peanuts on every corner. It is indeed our honor to be here back in our home state of Alabama. So good to see what the Lord is doing and how God is blessing and the revival that he's pouring out. You know, I, I've been coming to, to these uh, youth conventions for quite a while now. Yeah, I've been coming uh, ever since back in the day when they were called the Alabama Youth Explosion. Anybody remember that? Some of you remember that, and we would have our afterburner, and it would be at Looney's 
all-night skate rink. Anybody remember that? Amen. Just a few short years ago, but I echo everything that's been said tonight. I honor Brother and Sister Maddox for their leadership, their incredible character. They've done a job well done here in Alabama, leading you to greater heights and greater victories. Give honor to all the pastors, youth pastors here tonight. We're glad you're here. My pastor and district superintendent here in Alabama, Brother Davidson, God bless you. Good to see you. I honor you. Thank you for taking a chance and let me be your youth pastor many years ago. Brother Roberts, Sister Roberts, many other, my family here. If I start naming names, I'm going to get in trouble. So why don't I just say, I love you all. It's good to see you all. Is that okay? And let's just cover it with that one statement. But it's so good to be here in Alabama. Why don't we stand to our feet one more time if you're able. I know we have been worshiping the Lord and entertaining his presence for some time now. But I want to take us directly to the text that I feel the Lord would have us go to tonight. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and then we'll flip over to the next chapter eventually to 1 Samuel chapter 3. I, I did tell my wife, I said, honey, you need to be ready when you go to service tonight. She said, why? I said, because all of the youth campers who were in our dorm, they're now running youth convention. Just be ready for that. So glad to see that continue here, the youth ministry burden in Alabama. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35. If you got it, say amen. amen. It's here that the Lord is sharing with us that he's looking for something in particular in Israel. He shares with us in this verse that he's looking for someone. Everybody say someone. He's looking for someone who would faithfully carry out his will in Israel. So what he said in verse 35. He said, I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do, everybody say do. He shall do according to that which is in my heart and in my mind. Just pause here and tell a young person tonight that God really wants to reveal to you what's in his heart and what's in his mind. He says, when I find that person, I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Going back to verse 17 and 18, we find that the Lord found that person in a young teenager named Samuel. Everybody say Samuel. Samuel. Here we learn about Samuel and how he begins to stand for God and gets the attention of God. Verse 17, wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. There was great sin going on at that time in Israel, even in the very tabernacle of the Lord, or I might say it like this in the youth group, but Samuel was different because Brother Maddox verse 18 says, but Samuel decided to minister before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Then we learn in the next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 10, we learn about the night that Samuel heard the call of God. And Samuel answered the call of God. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood. Everybody say stood. And called as at other times, Samuel. Samuel. Can you hear the Lord's voice tonight? 
I'm just going to pause here. He's calling somebody's name already. He's looking for a Samuel. He's looking for a young man. He's looking for a young lady. And he called out, the Bible said, as he had at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered. Five words. Speak for thy servant heareth. Speak because I'm listening to your voice, Lord. Tonight I want to focus on the life of a young person named Samuel who during one of the most crucial times in biblical history partnered with God to see the kingdom of God come to pass and advance in a powerful way. Feel compelled to preach to the Alabama Youth Convention on this first night that God is here and God is searching this audience for a young person, young man, young lady that maybe your life is broken and everything is chaotic, but God is still looking for you and wondering if you will hear his voice and do all that is in his mind and in his heart. Tonight, by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you God's search. We hear a lot about Google searches, but tonight I want to preach about God's search. You've been so patient, kind, responsive, but I wonder if you could put your Bibles down or your tablet or your device and if you're able to right now, just lift your hands with me one more time, and we're going to pray, and then you can be seated. But ask the Lord with me right now that he would be with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the presence that we feel. I thank you for your power, your authority that's already here, and I pray, God, that you would begin to speak to this group right now. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint this vessel. God, let me be a vessel that does not get in the way, but one that you can flow freely, that I could be an oracle to speak the word of the Lord as you have determined it already. And I pray that you would anoint this congregation, God, to hear your word. We bind every distraction right now in the name of Jesus Christ, and we loose the freedom of God in this place. And if you believe the Lord is going to touch you tonight and speak in your world, I want you to put your hands together like you're already doing. Come on, that's it. Clap your hands, all you people. I wonder if you've got a shout that you could put with that. Clap your hands, all you people. And shout unto God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. You know, I, I grew up not too far from here. And growing up, most Saturdays, everybody say most, most Saturdays. How many of you just love Saturdays? All right, we're going to try again. How many of you just love Saturdays? No school. I'm going to say it again. No school. And most of the time, I could do whatever I wanted to do on Saturdays. However, there were those days when my mom decided that she had other plans for me. Anybody ever been there before? You had your Saturday all planned out. I'm going to wake up at 7 o'clock. Just kidding. If you're a teenager, I'm going to wake up probably about 2 o'clock in the day. I'm going to have some Captain Crunch with berries. 
Oh, I wish somebody would help me in the house tonight. I'm preaching truth and you know it. Or maybe Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You got it all mapped out. Oh, there we go. I felt my help come with that one right there. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. There it is. There it is. Let's... Had it all mapped out, planned out. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Going to maybe catch up on my Nintendo 64 game. I'm going to have just a leisurely Saturday and just do what I want to do. But my mom would wake up and say, Michael, today is shopping day. And you're going to the mall with me, and we're going to shop for you fill in the blank. Anybody ever been there before? Shopping day. Now, I know it's cool when you're a teenager, maybe, or you're a girl in the house, and it's shopping day. But when you're eight years old, shopping day is the worst thing that you could hear on a Saturday morning. Yep, and mom would take me to the local Sears department store. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I know, it's, it's okay. Just bear with me. Sears Department Store. We would go to the mall, and we would walk beside stores that have now closed, like Radio Shack or, or, or J.C. Penney. Some of you are still looking at me like, I don't know. I don't, what about KB Toys? Anybody remember that one? Or Toys R Us. But we would go to the Sears Department Store, and... You know, after a while, mom would get me an icy, and that would keep me happy for a while. Then she would get me a chocolate chip cookie about the size of your face, and that was good. But when I was done with all of that, inevitably, boredom would set in, and that's when the fun would really begin, for me at least. Because somewhere along the way on that shopping day, I would play this game of hide-and-seek where I would hide from my mom. My mom's here tonight. I love you, Mom. God bless you for raising me. We ought to give my mom a hand of uh, applause right now. I would hide, and my mom would frantically begin looking for me. But see, there was a trick to this. You had to wait until the right moment for her to find you. I would find a clothes rack much like this one and go in the middle of it, and I would just wait. And I'd hear that panic. Stricken voice, Michael, Michael, where are you? You don't come out yet. You just wait. Michael, answer me. You still don't come out yet. Michael Anthony Thomas, that's when you get out. And I would bust out of that clothes rack, and I would just be all heroic and say, here I am. But my mom was never nearly as elated as I was. Neither was she thrilled with my game of hide and seek. And let's just say it like this, that I had a lot of come to Jesus meetings in the middle of a Sears department store. A lot of fun to play that game until the day that I became a parent. We have a little girl named Myla Joy, and she was born, and I'll never forget that I got to play the panic-stricken game of hide-and-seek. I remember when Myla Joy was around four years old, and we were attending a church conference, and we momentarily, that's key, momentarily, I'm a good parent most of the time, but we momentarily lost sight of Myla Joy for about 45 seconds. And those 45 seconds felt like 45 hours. Any parents in here, you can testify that 
time just drags by and you can't find her. And we looked everywhere. And 45 seconds later, we found her riding the escalator with Brother Cameron Davis. Brother Cameron Davis is here tonight. You got a shout out. But it was no fun to play that game of hide and seek anymore because now I was the parent. I was on the opposite end of the experience. And I was frantically and desperately searching for something that was near and dear to my heart, but I just could not seem to find it. I feel compelled under the power of the Holy Ghost tonight to preach to a teenager in this house that God is desperately searching for someone in this house. Might I say this, that he's looking, he's not desperate yet, but God is looking over this audience and he's looking for something that's very near and very dear to his heart. And that is you who is under the sound of my voice. God is looking for you tonight. There's a search. There's a search that's happening right now. It's not the frantic search of a parent looking for their lost toddler. It's hopefully not anybody on their device Googling how to make the best coffee pour over on the Google search engine, but it is the God of the universe who has come to this youth convention tonight, and he is searching for something, and he's searching for someone. The God who made absolutely everything, and the God who knows absolutely everything, he is on a search tonight. Think about it. Same God who knows the number of hairs on your head or the lack thereof. The same God that takes out his note pen and his notepad rather and his pen and he makes a note every time a bird drops from the air. That same God is on a search tonight. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30 says it like this. He told Ezekiel, he says, I was on a search. He said, I was looking for someone. I was looking for something. I was wanting to partner with someone that I could use, that I could share my heart with. And he said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no results. No results. Can you imagine God who has unlimited resources, yet he's limited sometimes in his resources? Can you imagine the God who we pray to for healings, miracles, signs, and wonders? The God who brought the dead back from the grave. The God who opened blind eyes. The God who can open deaf and ears. Sometimes, sometimes he goes on a search and he comes up with zero. He comes up with a deficit. The writer said in another part that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro in the earth and he's looking for someone. Oh, he's not looking for somebody who maybe has the right last name. Oh, he's not looking for somebody in this house who has never made a mistake. Oh, he's not looking for somebody who has it all together, but he's just looking for somebody who is willing and who is available to the search. I want you to lift your hands with me right now. And if that's you and you have heard God and you have felt God searching this room, I want you to lift your hands right now and say, God, I am available. 
Come on, just a few moments. Lift your hands. Come on. I know it's getting late. I know we're a little tired, but just lift your hands and just tell the Lord, Lord, I believe you're looking for me. Oh, you, you're not out of the reach of God. You're not out of the sight of God. Zacchaeus, you may be up in a tree tonight, but God has walked to the bottom of that tree and he's looking up in the limbs right now and he's calling you out right now, Zacchaeus. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. You know the Lord has your number, and he's been calling it. But now you've got to pick up the phone. Because God is searching. He's looking. He's looking. Where are they? Don't play hide and seek with God tonight. Now is not the time to play hide and seek with God tonight. It's an exciting thing to think about, really, that on this planet of over 8 billion people, God is looking at you tonight. And he says, I want to partner with you tonight because I believe you got what it takes. He's not looking for ability. And if you've got that, I'm thankful that you've got ability. But more than ability, God is looking for availability. Just somebody that says, here I am. Speak, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that God would begin to shake off the fetters and drown out the lies of the enemy that's in your ears saying you can't. I want you to hear God. He's saying you can and you will and you are doing. You're doing great things. I've been coming to these youth conventions for a while, and I sat where you sat, and I remember sitting there trying to pay attention. I have some friends who we struggle sometimes to pay attention in church. Some of my counselors who were counselors back then said amen when I said that, but I remember sitting where you're sitting tonight, and I remember hearing the preacher preach about incredible and deep things of God and all the things that God had for me to do, and I remember sitting there questioning and wondering, but can God use me? Is what that preacher is saying, is it really for me? Let me just tell you emphatically, as I near my 40-year uh, decade coming up, can I tell you emphatically that the answer is yes? Yes, it is for you. Everything that the preacher has spoken, it is for you. Everything that's in the Word of God, it's for you. Every promise that God has spoken over you, it is for you. It is for you. It matters not who you are. It matters not where you're from. It matters not what your race is. It matters not what language you speak or you don't speak. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you made. God just wants to know, are you willing? Are you willing to answer the call? Somebody clap your hands if you made up your mind. That it's for me. Come on, if you're sitting beside somebody and they're sitting there still, you need to stand up and say, it doesn't matter. It's for me. It's for me. It's for me.
I've come to tell you that there's a partnership for you that you will not find on this earth. There is a relationship that you will not find to match on this earth. It's a relationship with Almighty God. Oh, God is searching. And you have the opportunity to be the answer to his search tonight. God is searching and you are. You are the answer. You're the answer. Samuel, the boy we're talking about tonight. If you do just a little study, you'll know this. And you've been to Sunday school, you've heard this. But Samuel was born at a really weird time. Everybody say weird. It's a weird time in the nation of Israel. Here's why it's weird. The Bible says that the voice of God had gone silent. And he had not spoken to his people in many, many years. And even though we must hear the word of the Lord, that's why we come to church service. Somebody say amen. That's why you go to church on Sunday morning is yes, to hear an incredible worship team. But more important than that, you go to church to hear the word of the Lord spoken over your life. You've got to have the word spoken. Brother Lentz, the word of the Lord hadn't been heard in many, many years. See, it wasn't that the Lord wasn't speaking or that the Lord didn't want to speak, rather. It was just that nobody was listening. Nobody was tuning in. Ever been there before? You've got this really cool story and you're trying to tell your friend and they're, they're standing in a group and you're telling, oh, and this happened and this happened and then they lose interest and they walk off right in the middle of it. And so you just finish saying, and the raisins were incredible and we gave them all to the poor. It had nothing to do with what you were just saying, but nobody was listening. God sometimes felt like that in Israel. He said, I have chosen you. You're a royal generation. You're a royal priesthood. I've got incredible things for you, but nobody would listen to what God was saying. So here's the dangerous part, Brother Beeks, is when God says, all right, if nobody's going to listen, if nobody's going to answer, then I will just close my mouth. And stop talking. That's a dangerous place to be. But yet that's where Israel was. Eli, he was the high priest. He was the preacher of the nation, if you will. But the Bible said that he had begun to drift spiritually away from God. And what's worse than that, he had two sons named Hophni and Phinehas, who the Bible said were very corrupt and very immoral. Even in the tabernacle, even within the church youth group, they were committing immoral acts. Israel was in a bad place. It was a bad time. The priesthood was defiled. God didn't seem to have anything to say and everybody was running away from the right things and going after the wrong things good was being called evil and evil was being called good confusion and chaos ruled the land but it was right in the middle of all of this calamity and all of this chaos that God saw it right and fitting to take a young boy who came to this earth by a miraculous birth and his name was Samuel and God said I'm going to place you Samuel right in the middle of dark and confusing times. That really doesn't make sense though. Think about it. If you're going to have the greatest and brightest prophet, if you're going to have your most powerful warrior, if you're going to have your most dynamic leader, why would you choose to place him in the darkest and most controversial times in Scripture? And I preach to some of you here tonight that you as teenagers and young adults, you look around you in your world and you wonder, why did I have to be born in this time of history? 
Can I get an honest wave of the hand right now? If that's you, you're a young person, and sometimes you look around and say, why did this have to happen in my lifetime? I, I would love to graduate high school. I would love to graduate college and maybe get married and settle down and have a family, but God, why did you have me be born at this moment in history? God, it doesn't make sense. I could not have been born back in the good old days. Come on, cherry coke and and the pharmacy and the the soda shakes and the soda fountains, soda fountains and the fifty seven Bel Airs. God, couldn't I go back to the good old days? Couldn't I have been born where we didn't have to go through a pandemic? God, don't you know what's going on right now? Don't you know that the world is talking about a war? Don't you know that there's inflation and recession right now? God, why? Somebody get honest with me tonight and say, yes, that's me. I've asked why. Why now? Why here? In your generation, Generation Z, you have reported to us that you are unoptimistic about your future because you don't really know what it holds. You know how some specialists describe your generation? They say you are the hoping and coping generation. Hoping and coping. You're coping with a broken world and you're hoping for a better tomorrow. And all around us tonight, we're seeing the fulfillment of the very words of Paul in 2 Timothy 3.1, where he says, This know also, young man, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous means terrible times. Jesus said that in the last days that nation shall rise against nation. He talks about famines. He talks about earthquakes. I've come to tell you, young people, that the perilous times are here. You know that. And the last days are here right now. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. But I know that the coming of the Lord is very, very soon. We are living in the last hours of the church. Davis and I, I do feel that we're just a few ticks of the clock away from Gabriel putting the horn to his lips and sounding at the trumpet and the Lord taking the church out of here. But before God does that, before he gets ready to bring his bride home, God is getting ready to show the world just exactly what he can do. God is getting ready to show the world what he could do with a young lady who is sold out for God. Why is he holding it back? Why is he holding it back? Oh, why, why is he keeping it back? Why hasn't he just come already? If we're in the last days, why hasn't he just come already? I'll tell you why. Because if you look in Scripture, God has a habit. He has a habit. And you know what the habit is? He always saves his best for last. And if these are indeed the last days, then guess what I'm looking at right now in this room? I am looking at the best that he saved for the last. I've come to tell you that you are the devil's worst nightmare. You are the enemy's worst problem because it's the last days and you are the best warriors and I wish I had somebody believe that with me right now that God has saved me for this time. God has saved me for this day. God has saved me for this moment. 
<laughs> Come on. The darker the night, you're about to shine. My goodness, I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. You are about to shine. God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And you, you are in the middle of it all. You are his best, Samuel. You are his best, Samuel. Because anytime God gets ready to disrupt darkness, anytime God gets to foil the enemy's plans, I, we respect our silver-haired elders, and we respect our pastors and those who have gone on before us. But you read Scripture, anytime God gets ready to really mess up the devil's plans, he does not send the elders, he does not send the senior citizens, but he sends the youth of the land because there's something powerful locked up in you. You're not being fought because something's wrong with you. You're being fought by the devil because there's something right with you. That's why he's come at you. History teaches us that when God has had enough, he says, I'm going to go to Alabama, and I'm going to go to the Friday night youth convention, and I'm going to go right in the middle of the chaos and the confusion of the devil, and I'm going to start a God-given revolution. Just ask Pharaoh. He had the Israelites in bondage. But then Moses was born. Just ask the Philistines. They had Goliath. But then a young lad trembling and shaking in his sandals stepped on the battlefield and said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name and the... in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the Bible says that Goliath fell. You are giant killers. You are the greatest... You are the greatest warriors... And you're messing up the devil's plans. Come on, clap your hands right now. There's something stirring in this room right now. There's some of you starting to get a hold of the word of the Lord. It's here. Come on, you just ask. You just ask the devil. He had the world choked in a chokehold with sin since the fall of Adam and Eve. And when he got ready to disrupt it all, he did not ask an old man. He didn't ask an old woman, but he asked a baby to be born. And then came Jesus. And when Jesus was born, he put sin on his head. He broke the serpent's hold on Adam and Eve. I've come to tell you that anytime God gets ready, to move, he always brings a youth into the picture. I hasten tonight. I hasten. We go on to learn about Samuel's birth. We go on to learn about how he got to where he was by a miraculous birth. Let me just stop here for just a moment. John 3, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. You've got to have a miraculous birth if you're going to be the Samuel that God has called you to be. You've got to be born again. You've got to have a second birth. You've got to have a new birth. That's how Samuel got to where he was. It was a miraculous birth. 
We don't have time to get into the dysfunctional parts of Samuel's family, but can I tell you that no matter how dysfunctional your family is, God can still raise you up to be the hero of a nation and the answer of a people who has been praying and asking God to enter. It does not matter how crazy your home life is. God can bring about a miracle. You're the answer. So you're the answer. Do you think that when Samuel went to church and started living for God that everything got smooth and easy, wouldn't you? But unfortunately, that wasn't the case at all. I've called their names a few times, but why don't you say it with me tonight? Hophni. Everybody say Hophni. Everybody say Phineas. See, Hophni and Phineas were sons of the priest, but the Bible says that they were sons of Belial. They were worthless. Verse 12 says that they knew not the Lord. That, that's astonishing to me that they are around the temple. They're near the Ark of the Covenant. They're near the presence of God, yet they are far, far away from God in their heart. That's because you can go to church and not know the God of the church. That's because you can be involved in the things of the kingdom without ever really knowing the king of the kingdom. It's not enough to go to church, Samuel. You've got to know the God of the house, Samuel. You got to get a relationship with God, Samuel. It's not enough, Hophni and Phineas, to be around the things of God, but are the things of God in you? They had it down. Hophni and Phineas had it down. They knew. They knew how to clap on the right beat. They knew how to get their handkerchief out, and I'm thankful for apostolic worship. Don't do anything else. Be apostolic. But I'm going to tell you right now that there's going to be people that miss the will of God because they think that because they've got a right shout or they're around the Ark of the Covenant or they're around the presence of God, that that's enough. That's not enough, Samuel. You've got to have your own... I'm going to move on in just a minute, but you've got to know God's voice for yourself. Because if you listen to the voices of Hophni and Phinehas, they're going to lead you down the wrong path. You've got to hear the word of the Lord, Samuel. I wish some of you right now would just stand to your feet and begin to shake off the voices of Hophni and Phinehas who has been ringing in your ears. Come on, that young man's not worth your calling. That young lady's not worth your anointing. You need to shake it off. God's got greater things for you. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Come on, I feel something moving in this house. Can I preach you how I really feel it? It's not enough that they go to church. It's not enough that they just show up. But if you're going to get in a friendship and a relationship with them, you better make sure that you're equally yoked with them. I'm not talking about loving sinners. I'm not talking about reaching the lost. I'm talking about those who are among us who maybe they're starting to influence you in the wrong direction. Maybe they're not here tonight, but you know what I'm talking about. Hophni and Phineas. I need some help. Brother Brad, come here. You, come here. Plaid suit, I can't even see you, bro. There you are. Yeah. All right, there he is. Hophni, you guys okay with me, Hophni and Phineas? They're okay with it. Okay. Brother Seth, come on. All right. Here's what would happen. 
Brother Brett, every time a worshiper got ready, I'm hurrying. I know I've been preaching for a little bit. Every time a worshiper got ready to bring their sacrifice to the Lord, it was, hold on, don't, don't take it yet. Hold on, hold on. He's ready to grill. He's ready to get it done. All right, hold your sacrifice. Every time a worshiper would bring their sacrifice to the tabernacle, they would bring their consecration, their sacrifice. It was his worship. He had, he had prepared it. He had carefully concentrated on it. But he would come to the house of the Lord, and there was Hophni and Phinehas standing on each side of him. And as he got ready to pass to give his worship to the Lord, the Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas would begin to take from his sacrifice until finally Seth did not have anything but a leftover piece and he would go before the Lord and try to worship but all he had was leftovers because he walked in the middle of the council of the ungodly and Hophni and Phinehas took from his worship I'm coming to tell you right now there is a spirit of this age right now that wants you that wants you to hand over your sacrifice. Hand over your worship. Let them take from you. I've come to tell you, you cannot give in one iota to Hophni and Phinehas. It's not their worship. It's not their sacrifice. It's not their doctrine. It's not their truth. They can't take it. They would subtract and take until... So they had nothing. Can I tell you right now that if a voice is speaking in your life and they're asking you to give less to God, then they are not of God. Is that all right? God will never ask you to lessen your sacrifice, but God will ask you to increase your sacrifice. Why, God? My goodness, I'm going to move on in a minute, but why, God? Help me out, bro. Man, this guy's sharp. Look at this. Can I borrow that suit tomorrow? Man, the glasses, too. Come on, this is a good guy. He don't even know. He's like, yeah, you have my suit. Awesome. There is never anything of God that will ask you to lessen your sacrifice. Here's a stack of sacrifices, worship that he's bringing to God. If it's trying to take from your worship, it's the devil. If it's trying to take from your worship, then it's evil. If it's trying to take from your consecration and your sacrifice, it's the devil. It's the devil. It's the devil. God never, what's your name? Clayton. Clayton, God never asked you to lessen what you're giving to him. We heard about it tonight, move the mission. But God will ask you to give a, a hundred thousand. I remember we were trying to break that ceiling years ago, and it was broken. And then Brother Maddox and this team comes in with vision, and this this district rallies around. It's not about it's not just about money, but it's about sacrifice. It's about what we tap into. God will never ask you to decrease. We give 191,000, but now Brother Maddox says we're going to give 200. And then maybe God asks you to fast one day a month, but then God comes back and says, why don't you fast three days a week? And then God says, I want more time. I want you reading my word. I want you fasting. I want you teaching Bible studies. Why? Why, God? Why are you asking more? Go home and read your Bible. The reason why God asks for more sacrifice is the more the sacrifice, the more the glory of God will be revealed in your life. I read it before I came down here tonight from my hotel room. 
when Samuel was dedicating the house of the Lord, there were a few elements that he had to have, Brother Britt. He had to have prayer. He had to have sacrifice. And then the fire of God fell. Those three elements are non-negotiable in this apostolic church. But when you pray, when you sacrifice, fire falls. And if you've been giving God just a little piece of your sacrifice, there's just going to be a little glory. But based on your sacrifice and based on your consecration, there is going to be glory that begins to fill your walk with God and your ministry. But it's based on the amount of sacrifice. Somebody, if you made up your mind that Hophni and Phineas will never get my sacrifice, you ought to go ahead and thunder in the house of the Lord tonight and say, not on my watch, not on my clock. You can't take it. I hasten, I hasten. We're going to come to a close. A few more things I want to tell you, and then we're just going to let the Lord talk to us. Let the Lord move in this house. The Bible says that the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. One of the most striking contrasts that I find in this whole book of the Bible, Brother Maddox, is verse 18 when it says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. When everybody else was sinning, when everybody else was saying it's not necessary, when Hophni and Phinehas were saying you don't have to do that for the Lord, he said, I'm going to stand before the Lord. When you stand, you get the attention of heaven. When you stand in the middle of a wicked and perverse generation, you got the attention of God. Right now, God is looking for somebody who will stand. Because standing always precedes the supernatural. Standing always precedes the voice of God speaking into your world. If you're sitting among Hophni and Phineas spiritually, you will not hear God. But when you stand before the Lord, girded with your commitment, and say, God, Goodness, God, I'm ready. I'm preaching to a young lady right now that you've been going to your prayer closet and you've been telling God that you'll be a missionary. You've been telling God, somebody's been telling God, I'll be a preacher. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what you ask me, ask me to do. God, I'll do anything you ask me to do. I tell you, when you kneel, you're standing before the Lord and you have caught his attention, Samuel. told Moses, he said, stand still, stand still and get ready to see the salvation of the Lord. Just stand and you're about to see something. My goodness, I, I know it's symbolic right now, but if you're able to, why don't you stand in this house? If you're ready to receive something from the Lord, let that, let that be just symbolic of our faith, symbolic of our commitment, symbolic of our consecration and our commitment. I didn't say you were perfect, but I just asked if you're able to stand. If you're not physically able to stand, stand in your spirit right now. God sees your heart. God knows where you are. God wants to, God wants to partner with you, Samuel. He sees you, Samuel. He sees you as you stand. 
He knows what Hophni and Phinehas have been whispering in your ears. He sees what they've been doing to the sacrifice and the worship, but he sees you, Samuel, and he's found you. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. God had plenty to say. Let's seek after the Lord for just a moment. Come on, the Lord has walked in this room right now. Come on, just seek after the Lord. Oh, Samuel, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Come on, it's not that God doesn't have anything to say anymore. He's got plenty to say. He's got plenty that he wants to share. He's looking for Samuel. It's not that God, Brother Britt, isn't wanting to move anymore. He's just looking for a Samuel who will move towards him towards him. more moments. It's Terry right here for just a few moments. Somebody lift your voice right now. Lift your voice. Come on, Samuel. <laughs> Come on, Samuel. You ought to step out of your chair right now. You ought to press down here to the front right now. God is saying some things right now. Come on, Samuel, God's speaking right now. God's moving right now. He that hath an ear to hear. Get down here and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. Hear what the Lord is saying. Huh?
Come on, let's make room around this front right now. Come on, let's press. God is about to do something in this house. Come on, that's it. Press. Press. Come on, that's it, Samuel. A few minutes, a few moments. Come on. God's about to do something. Fire's about to fall. Revelation's about to happen. Illumination's about to spark. Come on, he's still speaking. He's still moving. He still has a word in Shiloh. My. Still a word in Shiloh. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, that's it, Lord, I'm available. There's one more layer that we're gonna hit here in just a moment, but right now, God's looking for a Samuel standing. God's looking for a Samuel that says, here I am. God's looking for a Samuel that's pressing in to hear Hear the word of the Lord, Samuel. Hear the word of the Lord is here tonight, Samuel. I've come to tell Alabama that there is still a word in Shiloh. That there is, goodness, there is still awakenings. <laughs> you know it. All right, all right. I want you to keep praying. I want us to continue this atmosphere. But I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Listen. If you're praying, keep praying. But I want you to hear me for just a moment. The Bible says that the... Listen to me. Listen to me. Come on. We're going to pick up right where we are right now, but you've got to hear me. You've got to hear me. The Bible says that there was one night where God spoke to Samuel. And he got out of bed. And he ran to Eli and said, did you call? Three times Samuel mistook the voice of the Lord for the voice of Eli. Three times he ran to the wrong origin of the voice. Three times Samuel said, go lay back down. But on the last time the Bible said, that Eli realized what was going on and said, I want you to go lay back down, Samuel. And when you do, listen, and you hear the voice of the Lord again, I'm not going to give you a long speech. I'm not going to complicate this for you. But his spiritual authority said, I want you to say five words to the Lord. Speak for thy servant. Hear it. Samuel in his obedience goes. He lays back down in his bed. 
He said, I missed it three times. I don't know if the Lord will speak again, but I'm going to lay here and I'm going to wait. The Bible said that on the fourth time, Samuel missed it three times, but God didn't give up on him. I've come to tell a young man that's got a call to preach on your life that you may have missed it three times, but God has showed up here tonight and he's calling you forth. It's not over. The Bible says that he did not, he did not yet know the voice of the Lord yet, and that's why he was trying to figure it out. So Eli simplified it. Bible says that the next time he heard Samuel, Samuel, that he sat up in bed, stood to his feet and said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Five-word prayer. Then Sister Meeks, 109 words later, God stops talking. Five words brought over a hundred words from the Lord brother Jones because God was ready to talk and all it took was a young person lifting their hands somebody lift your hands right now lift your hands in this house right all it takes is a five word prayer that's all it takes come on right now let that be in your spirit right now let it roll off your tongue right now speak Lord come on say it say it speak Lord for thy servant Hear it. Uh, come on. Some of you are going to hear the voice of the Lord for the very first time tonight. You're going to feel an impression in your spirit and in your emotions. And it's going to be God speaking to you right now. Some of you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But when you lift your hands and you repent, God is going to speak, Samuel. Speak, 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 speak. Come on, there's a deep wave that just hit this house. Let God take you into the deep throne room of prayer. Let God take you deeply into his presence. Come on, some of you are about to feel what you've never felt before. You're already hearing what you've never heard before. God is beginning to show you things that you've never seen before. Come on, he has plenty to say. There's plenty of word in Shiloh. If you want God to anoint you, press. If you want to answer the call of God on your life, press. When you speak, he speaks. When you move, he moves.
Come on, I feel deep prayer in this room. I feel a deep awakening in this room. I feel an old-time Pentecost in this room. I feel an old anointing, Brother Davison, sweeping in this house. He's seen you stand, Samuel. He's heard you tonight, Samuel. Bible says that he let none of the words of Samuel fall to the ground from that night forward. Some of you will never be the same again. From this night forward, I speak that word right now. You will never be the same again. It's bigger than you, Samuel. It's bigger than you say. It's not just about you. The Bible says that God gave Samuel a word for the nations. It's beyond us. But it starts right here. Yeah, la, la, la. 